Hello and welcome to the In Publishing podcast. Our guest this time is Owen Meredith, Chief Executive of the PPA. Owen Meredith joined the PPA as a junior lobbyist seven years ago and has worked his way up to become appointed Chief Executive in October 2020. I talked to Owen about the successful campaign he's fought for zero rating of VAT on digital publications, what publishers can do to get on a level playing field with the big tech giants, and the impact of the pandemic on the PPA's members. So the PPA represents around 160 publishers, um, and we represent an industry that is vibrant, uh, but has been suffered and uh, battered about by the response to COVID, as many industries have. But I'm, I'm excited about the future of the industry. Owen revealed how the PPA helps the professional publishers it represents. By championing the industry... The PPA is here to be the voice of the industry and to champion everything that we do. Lessons learned from the pandemic about holding events. What we've found through that is uh, the ability to reach people in a different way, to engage our members, to reach people who are particularly outside of London for shorter sort of one hour sessions, etc. Um, so there are definite learnings from this that we will want to take forward uh, and continue. And our plan will be to deliver, when we can, a hybrid of virtual and face-to-face events. And the secrets of successful lobbying. Persistence is, is probably one of the secrets. And, you know, as I say, I've been working on this campaign for the best part of five or six years. So persistence is definitely key. Clarity of message and unity um, from the industry. We would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Advantage CS, a leading global provider of subscription and membership management software. Capabilities include marketing, sales, payments, and customer relationship software for publishers, membership associations, and information providers. For more information, go to advantagecs.com. Owen Meredith is the Chief Executive of the PPA, the voice of professional publishers for over 100 years. Owen, welcome to the In Publishing podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. The PPA represents an industry which has been through fundamental changes over the last decade or so, and even more rapid changes in the last 12 months. How do you now see the part it plays in the industry? So the PPA represents around 160 publishers, um, and we represent an industry that is vibrant, uh, but has been suffered and uh, battered about by the response to COVID, as many industries have. But I'm I'm excited about the future of the industry. And I think uh, sometimes we we sort of quibble about what exactly the industry is defined as these days. You know, it's no longer uh, publishers who periodically produce a, a paper magazine, uh, but it's businesses that are built on fantastic content that helps people get stuff done and enjoy life, whether that's uh, enjoying their hobbies and kind of uh, engaging their passions or helping them get their professional career in gear and driving them forward in business. So can you tell us about your own career journey? How did you become Chief Executive of the PPA? Ah, that, uh, that's an interesting story because it's very much by accident in some ways. Um, I joined the PPA actually nearly seven years ago, scarily enough. So I was, uh, before that, I worked in uh, Parliament working with a backbench MP, so I've got experience working in sort of Westminster and Whitehall. Uh, and I joined the PPA uh, then as a sort of junior lobbyist with a task of taking the industry forward, raising our profile a bit in, in Westminster and particularly 
tasked with winning that campaign for zero rating of digital VAT uh, on publications. And as you say, the industry has gone through a lot of change over the last decade. And in the seven years I've been at the PPA, the PPA has changed a lot in that time as well. Uh, and I've been uh, part of that change and part of that uh, transformation of the industry body. Uh, and now I'm delighted to be having the opportunity to lead it into the future uh, and continue the evolution of the PPA, working with a fantastic industry, some amazing companies and brands, uh, and hopefully driving the agenda forward and raising the profile of our sector across the creative industries uh, and in government uh, even more. And how do you see your role and what do you hope to achieve in it? So I see the role of the PPA and my role as, as chief exec very much to be a champion of the industry, to drive the agenda for trusted quality journalism uh, in all forms that it takes uh, under our members' brands and products. Uh, and I think the, the role of the PPA is really to bring the industry together, to do the stuff that our members can't do alone, whether that's celebrating great success through things like the PPA Awards, whether it's championing the industry and lobbying uh, as we've done through COVID. And as I say, with that uh, great campaign that we finally won to get zero rating of VAT on digital products as, as there are in print. Uh, so the PPA is here to be the voice of the industry, as you as you said in your introduction, and to champion everything that we do. And really, I think the, the sort of shorthand, of, I would say, is that if you're a professional publisher in the UK today, you want to minimise your risk to your business and maximise revenues learning from others, then the PPA is where you should be. Well, we'll come on to the uh, the your lobbying over VAT on digital products soon. But um, just sticking with COVID and, and the last... Um, 12 months, not quite 12 months. Um, the PPA, like many of the media businesses that you represent, has had to hold its events virtually over the last 12 months. When in-person events hopefully return in 2021, fingers crossed, will they be different in any way as a result of your experience with virtual events? Yeah, it's a very good question. I think um, we've enjoyed hosting virtual events. We've managed to pivot successfully with the PPA Awards. Um, we launched a PPA Live series, which is a free series for members uh, delivering virtual content uh, and learning opportunities. And I think what we've found through that is uh, the ability to reach people in a different way, to engage our members, to reach people who are particularly outside of London for shorter sort of one hour sessions, etc. Um, so there are definite learnings from this that we will want to take forward uh, and continue. And our plan will be to deliver when we can, a hybrid of virtual and face-to-face events. My own view is that I think that will be a mix of uh, events in in a virtual delivered capacity or face-to-face. I don't really see yet uh, and haven't successfully seen, but I'll be fascinated to watch what happens across the industry and learn from others, that you can deliver a hybrid event in the same place. So uh, an event where 50% of your delegates are in the room and 50% are watching remotely. I personally don't think that will work, but I'm excited to see how others try it and whether there are lessons that we can learn uh, when we're allowed to get back in into the same room. So it sounds as though uh, what you're looking at is some events being virtual, some events being face-to-face. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what we've seen particularly, I think, with this, uh, this second national lockdown in England anyway, is a shifting attitude amongst people, both in terms of uh, desire to get back to the office, but also sort of the longing to get back to some face-to-face networking and uh, and sharing of opportunities. That's the thing where creativity and flair comes out and where 
we've all managed to work remotely and sort of control our businesses and get through this crisis. But as we're looking for growth and new opportunities and creativity, I think that's where we'll really all benefit from getting back together face to face. And I think that's what will drive the events industry as it will drive people's attitude to coming back to the office. So coming on to your lobbying over VAT on digital products, this came to a successful conclusion this year. Can you talk us through the campaign and and why you were ultimately successful? Well, I think we were ultimately successful because it was the right thing to do. And my approach, as I say, I joined the PPA nearly seven years ago. This was this was an issue that had been kicking around for a while, but we hadn't been able to get much traction on. Uh, it was particularly bogged down by the fact that uh, VAT regulations in Brussels didn't allow the UK to zero rate digital products, even if we wanted to. So the hands of the Chancellor in the UK were tied. We needed to work collaboratively uh, with our colleagues across Europe uh, to get the law changed in Brussels. And through EMMA, which is the European Magazine Media Association, we did that. Um, and we got the we got the law changed, which freed the hands of member states to be able to make this change. Of course, Brexit was then thrown into that mix uh, and the UK had a different uh, different prospect and different outlook in terms of European rules anyway. But we've been making the case behind the scenes and the UK government eventually uh, supported that change in the law in Brussels. So we had, a, we had an inroad to the Treasury to be able to have these conversations. And I viewed it very much uh, as a technical correction. I didn't think it was a, a huge issue. Obviously, since VAT's inception, uh, newspapers, magazines and books in print had been zero rated. The fact was that the law just hadn't kept up with technology, which now changes the way that consumers interact and read those products. So I very much viewed it as a technical issue. Uh, we talked to some MPs and got uh, members of parliament on side. We got backing through the Cross review, which was an important milestone in the campaign. Uh, and then through the DCMS select committee, um, where MPs backed our call again, and that was recommended. So there were a series of recommendations that came to the government, um, and we worked as the PPA with colleagues, uh, particularly closely in the Publishers Association, representing book publishers, uh, but also in the NMA for news publishers. And we all worked together um, to align our campaigning efforts uh, and eventually managed to convince the Chancellor that this was the right thing to do. Um, he announced that in his budget earlier this year, and then in response to COVID, brought those plans forward. So the tax change actually came in in the 1st of May. Uh, it was due to come in in December uh, next month, just in time for Christmas. Uh, but uh, we managed to get that brought forward and we've benefited from that as particularly people have looked to digital subscriptions uh, in response to COVID and looking for entertainment and authoritative sources of information, which is exactly what PPA members represent. Well, I was going to ask what impact um, the decision has had on publishers, and it may be quite early to be able to quantify that impact. But as you say, it came at a time when it was needed more than ever. Um, so I wonder how, how you think that helped help publishers in a difficult situation. Yeah, I think it did come at a time when it was needed more than ever. And one of the big arguments that we made, uh, and I think that was successful, particularly uh, in the eyes of the current Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, was the complexity that the current system created for publishers. So publishers who were selling digital uh, and print bundle subscriptions had to account in all sorts of complicated ways for which bit of the sale was uh, VAT at 20% and which bit was subject to the zero rate uh, applicable to print. So 
there was a huge swathe of complexity and bureaucracy that was built up within publishing businesses. And that was also taking away investment from journalism as well as pushing up prices for consumers. So having had that discussion face to face with the Chancellor, he understood that. Um, I actually had that discussion before he became Chancellor. So I was particularly pleased when he got that promotion uh, just before this, just as Treasury were considering the policy because it allowed me to um, to make our case directly, which was uh, which was very valuable, I think. Um, and he understood the complexity nature of the argument uh, and why it therefore was the right thing to do. And I think it's it's really benefited publishers through this crisis as they've been able to you know, boost the subscriptions. And we've seen subscriptions has been a success story for publishers through this crisis as people have either moved from uh, newsstand to subscribers, which is obviously more valuable to uh, publishers to have that regularity and uh, frequency of contact with their readers. Um, and also in the B2B space as well, we've, the, removing the complexity has been hugely valuable to publishers. So as you said, um, your own background lies in Westminster and um, it sounds as though you have the ear of the Chancellor. Can you tell us what is the secret of effective lobbying? <laughs> um, I think there is no secret to effective lobbying. I think persistence is, is probably one of the secrets. And you know, as I say, I've been working on this, uh, or have been working on this campaign for the best part of five or six years. So persistence is definitely key. Clarity of message and unity um, from the industry as well. So obviously, we, as I said earlier, this, this campaign came up together because we could align the whole community, be that book publishers, newspaper book publishers and, and magazine publishers. And we were all presenting the same case, the same argument to the Treasury. So that uh, that always helps if you've got different parts of the industry presenting slightly conflicting messages it's easy for politicians to say you guys don't know what you're after so why don't you think about it first and then come back to us um i think just you know making a good argument aligning it with what the government is seeking to do so obviously we we made a particular argument here about um how the penalty uh, in digital was particularly uh, aggressive against younger readers and those who are sort of engaging with uh, with newspapers, with magazines, with books in, in ways that they might not do in print. And therefore, uh, in order to fix with the government's levelling up agenda, uh, creating a level playing field and an opportunity, whether people choose to read in digital or print, was the right thing to do. So very much fitting in with their narrative. Another major issue facing the publishing sector in recent years has been the impact of the giant tech platforms, um, in particular in relation to digital advertising and use of publisher content. What regulatory changes would the PPA like to see the government make? I think this is this is a huge area that we're looking at. And one of uh, one of the reasons that I wanted to take this job, actually, is because I think there isn't a level playing field and there is too much power in the hands of a few large tech platforms. Uh, and increasingly so with some of the regulatory changes that we've seen over recent years, for example, you know, the login models that um, the big platforms have, which means that they can obtain consent and process data in different ways uh, than perhaps publishers can. So I think what we have sought to do uh, on behalf of our members is engage with the government's legislative programme. So there are various bits of legislation that are coming down the track, whether it's the online harms uh, paper, regulation of digital advertising that the government is looking at. The CMA uh, has looked at the issue particularly of uh, competition in the advertising market and there is definitely movement here i think what we what we are seeking is fair commercial level playing field so that we can uh we can monetize content in a digital environment in a way that reflects the quality uh, and investment that publishers are making in that content in the first place 
And currently that is not a balanced uh, environment. And how easy is it to do that on a national scale when the platforms are, are so international? I think it can be done on a national scale. I think if we look at, uh, for example, um, what's been what's happening in Australia, I think there's there's some good examples of what can be achieved in the direction of travel that's being set out. And I think inevitably, once you've got a direction of travel, models that will be successful will be copied internationally. So uh, similarly, if you look across Europe, we've successfully lobbied in the copyright directive to secure the publisher's right. I don't think that's a silver bullet that's going to fix all the problems, but I I would urge the UK government to implement the copyright directive and particularly the publisher's right uh, post the end of the Brexit transition period. I think that would be another way to support publishing industry and create that level playing field that is needed in the online world. So we've talked about um, VAT on digital products and the giant tech platforms. Are there any other areas that you expect to be lobbying the government on over the next 12 months, two years, and what do you hope to achieve there? Well, we're, we're still very much lobbying uh, on the COVID response and financial support that the government uh, is giving to the economy and particularly to our sector. Obviously, a lot of publishers have moved uh, and brand, have brand extensions into particularly into live events that have been decimated over the past nine months with COVID. Uh, and there's still very little hope um, of any live event activity happening probably for at least four or five months as the vaccine is rolled out. So we're pushing the government uh, from the PPA and working with uh, the AEO, the Association of Event uh, Organisers, as well as others, to introduce an insurance scheme which will give publishers and event organisers confidence to invest and start planning now for activity next year. So that if, uh, and we certainly hope this won't happen, um, but if if there are still restrictions in place that uh, can't be preempted, that mean live events can't go ahead or have to be cancelled last minute, publishers and event organisers aren't left out of pocket. And I think we've seen in other sectors, such as film and television, uh, which had a production insurance scheme introduced by the government to get them going again. Uh, there are examples, and I think the government should replicate this for the events industry, so that we can get going again and plan for a recovery and rebuilding that face-to-face activity. So that's our key lobbying ask at the moment, alongside uh, alongside continued ask for support through business rate relief for publishers. Uh, in Scotland, the Scottish government has introduced uh, a business rate relief for newspaper publishers, and we're pushing them to extend the scope of that to include all publishers. And we uh, are pushing the UK Chancellor to uh, extend that UK-wide as well. And very much looking forward to hearing what he has to say Um, in his spending review later this week. Well, you've taken over at a time of great change in the publishing sector. And uh, as many people have said, that has been accelerated by the pandemic. From what you can can see, what strategies are successful publishers adopting? I think what what defines a successful publisher is probably not uh, not my place to say, but what I'm seeing across the industry is businesses that are built around strong, trusted brands, whether that's, as I say, in uh, tr- trusted by consumers who are looking for somewhere to embrace their hobbies and passions, whether it's trusted by business professionals who are looking for information to support them doing their work, or whether it's just kind of publications that make us laugh and smile or provide us with uh, information about what's going on in the world. That's the kind of uh, underpin lies behind most professional publishing businesses today. 
And I think where we are seeing success is with diversified revenues. So building off the back of those strong trusted brands uh, through subscriptions, yes, but through affiliate revenue, advertising, e-commerce, licensing, building multiple revenue streams is clearly the way forward uh, as we see it. Looking ahead to a post-COVID world, which is possibly difficult still from where we're standing, what do you see as the other main challenges and opportunities facing publishers? It is difficult to uh, to see beyond uh, COVID at the moment, but no doubt there will come a time certainly where we're not living with COVID in the same way uh, that we are. And obviously the good news this week about uh, various vaccines is very welcome uh, and a sense of optimism is coming back, I think, into uh, the economy. But I think the big challenge is clearly the long-term relationship with uh, the likes of Facebook and Google and the big tech platforms um, and how in an increasingly digital and global world, uh, we can compete fairly and get a fair share of revenue that, and it doesn't all get sucked up into a couple of monopolistic uh, or duopolistic players. So I think that is where the real challenge is coming down the line. It's complicated. There's lots of uh, interlocking pieces of legislation that will be coming uh, both domestically and internationally, as well as uh, as well as potential challenges from competition authorities uh, from Europe, potentially looking at uh, competition issues again with those platforms. So there is a lot to digest and a lot of work to do. Uh, and that's why I'm particularly proud and pleased to be taking this challenge on at the moment, because uh, it is a challenge, but I like a challenge. Uh, and that's what I'm hoping to be able to invest some energy uh, and enthusiasm into the industry as we work our way through these challenges. And you said at the beginning of uh, our interview that you were excited about the future of publishing. What is it that excites you? This is a great industry. I've worked. I've, uh, I came to this industry, as I say, from from Westminster. I didn't have any particular uh, experience of publishing before I joined the PPA, um, and I've got to know the industry and people in the industry and brands in the industry over uh, the last couple of years. And it is an exciting industry. There's huge amounts of enthusiasm. We had the PPA Independent Publisher uh, Awards last week, uh, and just to see the way that smaller independent brands, independently owned brands are engaged in the communities that they serve, are really championing them, championing the interests of those uh, communities and have worked with them through COVID uh, to really succeed and help uh, their audiences be stronger and come out of this stronger. It's really inspiring to see what's going on. So I see a, I see a vibrant uh, and enthusiastic bunch of uh, publishers at the independent end. I see lots of activity happening with the larger publishers and subscriptions uh, in particular being a success that I think will drive the industry forward over the coming years. And I think sometimes uh, our part of publishing forgets its role in society and how great we are, how, how much people love the brands that we publish, uh, how much people rely on brands uh, in the PPA family for vi vital information to do their job that they simply couldn't do without. So I do see that uh, there is there is very much light at the end of the tunnel uh, for this COVID period uh, and an exciting future ahead, uh, as long as we can address some of those challenges head on, uh, which is what I'm determined to do. And what about the PPA as an organisation? Um, do you have anything in the pipeline in, in the way that you operate? Uh, I think you know, the PPA has gone through, as I say, some changes over, over recent years. We're a much smaller, leaner organisation now. Uh, I think our focus is very much to do uh, fewer things and to do them better, because I think where we where we focus and um, uh, is where we succeed. 
So by focusing our campaigning and lobbying efforts over the last couple of years on the VAT issue, we've succeeded there. So that demonstrates how, as an industry, if we work together, focus, we can do it. So I'm, I'm, only, I'm relatively new to the role, only a couple of, uh, couple of weeks in officially. Um, and I'm looking forward to talking to members uh, and those who aren't yet members of the PPA, but will hopefully be in the future, to work out exactly what those pinch points are, what the challenges are, what we want to focus on. Um, and aligning the PPA strategy with the industry so that we together can work and speak with one voice, whether that's to government, whether that's as part of the creative industries, or whether that's to advertisers and clients. And I'm looking forward to working with Sue Todd in Magnetic, who uh, promotes the industry to advertisers and clients. Um, And I think that that will be a key alignment that you will see a, a greater synergy between the PPA, Magnetic, and the whole industry coming together with a clear narrative about our future. And finally, a question that we ask all of our guests. Outside of work, what do you do to relax? Uh, my, my key thing for relaxing is actually running. I've become an avid runner through uh, over the last couple of years, actually. I've been uh, regularly, regularly doing a 5 or 10k on a Sunday, which is my, my key challenge. Um, and actually through lockdown, uh, in, in the, first, uh, the first lockdown back in March, um, I, was tr- I, was trying, I started running every day. Um, which I then realised was pushing my body a little bit too much. But um, I got into a pattern of running two or three times a week. And uh, that's, that gives me a bit of time and space to think uh, and a bit of exercise to keep me fit as well, or at least try. Owen Meredith, thank you very much for being our guest on the In Publishing podcast. Thank you. We would like to thank Advantage CS again for sponsoring this podcast. Advantage CS has been developing subscription management solutions for the information industry since 1979. The comprehensive functionality, adaptability and scalability of its software helps leading publishers around the world manage their businesses more effectively. Find out more at AdvantageCS.com. Thank you to Owen for being our guest. To find out more about the PPA, visit ppa.co.uk and you can follow him on Twitter at Owen L. Meredith. To listen to more of our podcasts, visit inpublishing.co.uk slash podcasts. Thank you for listening and please join us next time on the In Publishing Podcast. <laughs>